yes, my favorite. Top of the list. Oceans, I'm going to guess Oceans 11. Oceans 11 and 12 are my favorite. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, George, George Clooney's pretty sweet. I don't, I don't know why I've got this movie stuck on my head. I actually haven't watched it for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's very odd. Yeah, no, it's I don't know. I've just got one of the songs like playing on my head on on a loop. Well, um, let's 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 kick it off. So, how did your uh, your paddle go? And do you want to start by, uh, I guess describing what it is you've just achieved and what you've been aiming to do for the last few weeks and everything? Yeah, for sure. Um, pretty much, it kind of started last year. If I'm gonna backstory a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided that I wanted to do a fundraiser to kind of give back to part of the communities that I was in and I wanted to be able to do it in a way that I could hopefully inspire others to do it and in a way that I felt I was given a gift so for me that's always been paddle sports whether it was kayaking or paddleboarding and Last year, I thought I'd set a ridiculous challenge of paddling 100 kilometers in a day on the northeast coast of the South Island in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And the date that I was planning on doing it was my mom's birthday. So because of that reason, I wanted to do the fundraiser for multiple sclerosis, mm-hmm. um, just because my mom had been diagnosed a few years before that. Okay. So I started this idea of okay, well, why don't I make it a fundraiser and see if other people were interested? And so I had somebody join me for it, and it was pretty much just to bring awareness and conversation about how we can get out in aspects of our lives, for me, kayaking, um, and kind of raise money and awareness for something that we're passionate about. And so did it. It went well. Um, I'd never paddled that distance in a day in a kayak. It's a long way. It is a long way. It, mm-hmm. The best thing about it was that it was sunny and there were sandy beaches and I was in shorts and a t-shirt the whole way. <laughs> so I kind of, I paddled that coast quite frequently. So I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew that it wasn't too challenging of conditions and that if anything happened, I had friends with boats nearby that could come and help me out. So it was quite safe, um, but then it caught quite a bit of attention in New Zealand. So this year I thought, okay, what can I do that's a bit more challenging for me? Um, and what cause do I want it to go towards? So I thought about circumnavigating Salt Spring for about four years now. And I was always gonna do it so that I was camping on the island, paddle around it and then camp on the island again. Mm-hmm. But obviously we have a pandemic going on, so didn't really want to put any communities at risk. So I decided that I was going to launch from uh, my company dock area, which happens to be in Mill Bay, and paddled back there. And I'd been racking my brain about what cause I was going to do this year. I thought about looking into like brain injury, kind of companies that help people get rehabilitated and back on their feet or um, help pay for community living, houses, etc. But it was really challenging to find an organization where I could trust that the money was going towards 
what they said it was. So I just started a brief conversation with Jill and Terrence at Camp My Way, just putting my idea forth to them what my plan was and if there was a chance that I would be able to do my fundraiser for their camp to help support somebody to go. Mm -hmm. And Jill and Terrence pretty much said, this would be an awesome idea. Um, And a lot of my intentions and what I was doing aligned with um, a lot of the tools that they teach people that are that attend Camp My Way. Um, and then from there, she quickly told me, once I told her my route, that they recently had two first responders from Salt Spring Island uh, go to Camp My Way. So a lot of things tied in together. And pretty much at the end of that conversation, I had started doing my write-up about what I was going to do and made it live within 24 hours of that conversation. Wow. Do you feel like, um, so for anyone listening, Salt Spring Island is located on the west coast of Canada in British Columbia, um, adjacent to Vancouver Island. What's the name of the bay there? Mill Bay? Mill Bay, yeah. Yeah. And how, so how far was your paddle in total distance? (laughs) It ended up being, I think it was around 96 kilometers. Yep. Um, part of that is because I was forecasted to get some really awesome wind that would help push me along the way. Yeah. But I quickly found out that it was roughly a 15 to 20 knot headwind. Oh, no. And a crosswind. So I had to alter part of my route. Yeah. Probably if I didn't have to do that, would have made it over 100 kilometers. But... Yeah. Oh, it's still... It's... It's an amazing feat no matter, I think 96 to 100 is really no, you know what I mean? It's in the scheme of things, it's, it's nothing. It's just all part of the, the, the adventure and the journey. And I don't know, I feel like with challenges like that, nature and the elements and life is gonna, is gonna make it interesting, you know? So that's part of the experience for you is like, now you've got, you'll get to have the story of headwind and a crosswind. So it was a bit, I think it's, you know pretty incredible really that you've you've managed to just to battle on but can I ask when you decided to like you said within 24 hours you made your decision were you nervous to like announce it and put it out there to the world and then you felt like once it was out there you had to commit to it 100% yeah yeah like the putting something like that live and making such a statement online yeah um, really forces you to be accountable and think about going through with those decisions rather than just saying something sitting on it for a week or two having time to talk yourself out of it um, so I know for myself making it live was the big okay this is actually happening moment yeah yeah exactly so what time did you set out in the morning and how long did the paddle take you in total to the, for the whole 96 uh, so I set out at four in the morning, so Solid. 12 lights throughout my boat and then a headlamp just in case people didn't see me. And I returned back uh, just before 6.20 p.m. Wow, so like a 14-hour day paddling, 14, 14 and a half almost. Pretty much. I took a few, I took one stop out of the kayak along the way for lunch Yeah. at about 56 kilometers. And 
other than that, I just stopped in the water a few times to have some drinks of water and make some little videos for people that were checking up on me throughout the day. Um, but yeah, it ended up being about just under 13 and a half hours of paddling. Wow. And so with a paddle like this, obviously you've attempted other long distance paddles, like you said, in New Zealand, and this had been on your mind for a while. I'm guessing you have like a pretty um, in tune training regime. But can I can I ask when you're out there paddling for so long, where does like what are the things that come to mind? What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about um, the fact that you're trying to achieve something, or are you just in a bit of a flow state and you're like kind of detached from the act of what you're doing and you're thinking about something completely different? Um, a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, the first hour is kind of the moment where it's all hitting you and you've launched and you have all of these crazy anxieties going through your head of what if I can't finish or mm-hmm. what if I have to call for help, all the big what ifs of if you fall short of what your goal is, um, as well as it's pitch black and oh crap, there could be a massive hump back underneath me and I can't tell. Um, but as you as I continued throughout the paddle, like pretty much went into a flow state. I had some good tunes on every now and then and when people asked me what I thought about for 13 hours in the water, I actually couldn't really tell you. <laughs> yeah, you must have been really zoned out then. Just, yeah. Just chilling. So you yeah, There's a few points where I tuned in and there were a few choice words that came out of my mouth just to deal with the wind, but um, yeah. yeah, there were just these, these moments where I, I tuned everything out and moments where I was just fully in the moment and there was nothing going on inside my head. That's so cool. Well, I think I think that's actually one of the the beautiful things about getting out there in nature or attempting a challenge like this, or like you know when you're doing a multi day hike and the first day is you're breaking in your boots, you're feeling the weight of your pack on your shoulders, and you're getting used to the swing of your tent. But then by the second day, you start to have those moments where you're not thinking finally, and you're actually looking up off the ground. You're not tripping over. You're not looking at your boots, and you start to notice more things. So maybe you're just I guess so natural as a paddler you're you're having huge windows of that that sort of free time but um if you set out at 4 a.m you you got to watch a sunrise did you get to watch a sunset as well out on the water you're pretty close right 6 20 p.m yeah the, oh. i can't say i saw a true sunset um, and that was just because we had this crazy frontal system come in where it started hailing and snowing and these wispy, horrific black clouds um, fell exactly where the sun would be setting. Yeah. But the colors of the sky, um, it pretty much lit up in this crazy pinks and purples uh, just around, like if you're looking out from Salt Spring um, towards Mount Baker area in Washington and it was just breathtaking. Wow. But a true sunset. That's so cool. So you got to paddle like a little bit through the dark, through the sunrise and through the entire day. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt like I experienced all four seasons uh, within the day, (laughs) anywhere from two degrees when I launched to 15 degrees at lunch, hot and sunny, and then back to hailing and snowing as I returned. That's so typical of BC weather, I reckon. Yeah. Bit of everything at once. Do you you think that... With a challenge like this, as you said, it was 
one day challenge when you completed the your paddle do you feel like it's crazy how much you can fit into one day when you look back at you know a lifetime of days and some days all you really do is go to work come home not you but i'm talking about myself here sorry i go to work maybe come home go for a walk go do a little bit of exercise have dinner go to bed but then that's just a normal day i've had that day play over hundreds of times in my life but then there's a day like what you're describing where you've got a sunrise on the ocean, you're paddling, you're you're reaching a goal, you're achieving something, you're you've set this this um this action in motion, you've you're trying to make it happen and so much goes on in one day and then boom, all of a sudden it's finished, it's done and you go back to normality. Do you feel like it's pretty crazy how much you can fit in a day in the scheme of things when you try challenges like this? hundred percent um it was i didn't really dawn on me until probably a day or two after i did the paddle where somebody was just asking about the experience and i was kind of talking to the motions and pointing out like the, the weather conditions that we got and all all of these things that happened for me that day and they were completely oblivious to any of them because like you said the time that i was paddling they went through the motions of waking up brushing their teeth having breakfast, a coffee, going to work, coming home. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I had been seeing that whole transition of the day from when everything, the streets are entirely quiet to everything kind of waking up and turning on and people going to work and people coming back to work. Um, but it, it really did hit me that as humans, we often like, you think about what we tend to accomplish in our day to day and then when you put it up with something that you can push yourself to and pretty much that same amount of your working day is pretty crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's crazy. And so with with something like this, so it's a one-day challenge, do you feel like you're building up experience to try future trips and try bigger, bigger attempts at bigger things? Like, obviously, I know you've, you're fresh off this paddle, but... Did you feel once you completed it like, okay, now I'm ready to try another challenge? Is there still a calling for you to, to try new new things? 100%. Cool. <laughs> um, I have this conversation with people a lot that I feel like there's a lot of different type of people in the world, but I can tell you right now, I'm one of those people that fits in the box of nothing will ever be enough. Yeah. <laughs> that no matter how much I push my goals and I reach them that I'll keep pushing them further until eventually maybe that make them so hard that they're unattainable or I challenge myself so much that that particular aspect wasn't reached but maybe I've gained something else um, and I feel that way about these challenges like last year's was a very soft and I would call it an easier challenge for myself and this year was like I not only threw in wind speeds exposed ocean i also threw in current doing it entirely solo and in winter months so i feel like as i keep moving with these challenges i'm probably going to start stacking up more and more challenging environments until it gets to a point where i get to a challenge and i it takes me two three four five times until i complete it that's so cool i love that you're accepting of the fact that first of all that you know that you've got a hunger and a drive to try new things and bigger things and and 
not that you're not always satisfied, but you always want more. I think that's just a a, a sign that you you want to keep challenging yourself and keep keep growing essentially because every time you complete something in life you know someone who I don't know travels for the first time alone and then they say oh I can do this or someone like yourself takes on a a paddling mission by themselves and they say oh I can do this and they they you keep setting the bar a little bit higher a little bit higher I think that's a pretty healthy way to to look at life but I also, also think it's really cool that you're talking about the trying to uh trying to take on challenges that you know you might not necessarily succeed the first time so two three two times three times four times uh do you think you're like not so afraid of failure you just more enjoy the process of of picking something apart that's complex and and trying to figure it out 100 (laughs) percent. yeah yeah a lot of i used to be that way a lot with climbing you have the climbers that'll try one one section of the wall and fail and so they'll move on to the next section. I'm the person that will sit in front of that line for hours and hours and hours and multiple attempts and come back days after day until I've completed it. Um, just because I feel like if I've given myself a challenge, there's a reason why I've done it. And in each failed attempt, you're still learning something and you're still expanding that scope of... Um, kind of what's in front of you and your view of this challenge and so in my opinion like as we challenge ourselves as humans and individuals or athletes we're we're not necessarily challenging ourselves to complete it but we're actually challenging ourselves to learn it and to expand um, our own abilities within it yeah yeah no 100 yeah i totally agree and it's i think challenging yourself in an environment like this is is so interesting because there's so much that comes into it. It's not just like a physical, a physicality thing. It's you've got planning involved. Like you said, you're looking at tides, weather, the elements. What are you going to pack? What's your training? So it's kind of like a multifaceted thing. So it's I think it's ticking a lot of boxes mentally. Perhaps that's maybe you don't get ignited in the nine to five. If that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And. What? I do have a confession though. I, I, my confession that not many people know, maybe two people know, is that I actually hadn't sit in a kayak, sat in a kayak since November. Oh, wow. So you haven't been training out in the ocean at all? Uh, no, I've been paddleboarding and surfing a paddleboard, and that's been pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, you really took it by the, you know, took this challenge by the horns then. Yeah. So what do you yeah. what do you reckon um inspires you? Do you always feel like you take on a challenge um and you have to have an objective in mind? So both times you've done a paddle, you've had a cause that you wanted to donate to. Is that what inspires you? Is it the act of um giving that you know motivates you as much as the challenge itself, you think? Um I think that's part of it. I think yeah. The other that is sparking conversation and um, I think it's like I'm really driven by giving giving back to the community and giving back to these causes because mm-hmm. um, I do feel really fortunate to be able to grab my personal kayak and go paddling where that's really accessible to me but not accessible to everyone but I think a big part of it for me is um, 
it kind of forces people to reflect on how they're living and aspects of their life where they could put themselves out further. Um, and it kind of removes us from having this tunnel vision looking in on our own lives and, you know, getting so caught up in work and life. And it kind of brings our eyes up and lets us look around and say, okay, well, if this person can go and challenge themselves this way, surely I can go and spend two hours at the old age home down the road or spend two hours planting a garden for somebody who can't. Um, so I think it's the conversation and the idea that it could push people outside of their own comfort zones and their own kind of comfortable living, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think BC and New Zealand, like you said, when you're living there, are, are pretty special places in that they, they offer that to people for the most part already. So outside of the cities, let's say, a lot of people in BC who aren't living in Vancouver, I think, have a really great access to nature, whether it be mountains or ocean, if you're on the island or if you're around uh, Squamish or Whistler Sea to Sky area. So I think that's having access is one thing. Having access to the nature is one thing, but also knowing um, how to use it to your benefit uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically, um, and those kind of things. So I totally know what you mean when you say that you want to spark a conversation because I don't know. I feel like there's everyone has like lessons to be learnt from going out in in nature or trying new things that challenge their perception of where they where they've set the bar for themselves, whether it be a physical challenge or whether it be an emotional challenge. And I don't know. I, I personally feel like as time goes on and the internet progresses. I think uh, people are starting to share positivity a lot more. Maybe it's just what I'm starting to see or what I see because of the people I follow or the people I pay attention to. But it seems like the internet is kind of maturing in that way. Like it's like we went through the... The internet was born. It was a baby. We had the toddler stage. Then we had the infant stage. Then we had the kind of angry, angsty teenage stage, which we're still kind of in but going out, you know, with all the trolling and people being sort of negative and sort of the teenagers still kind of working out how to use the internet and we're still getting used to communicating to each other through a screen but personally I'm starting to see a bit of a resurgence of like there's some magic to the fact that you are in Canada and someone from across the world could watch or find out about your trip and then that could inspire them do you know what I mean so the internet is providing I think cool options in that way as well so putting yourself out there is is one part of the process and I really do think that can snowball and it can go in directions that like you never know where it's going to lead so yeah if it's building a garden or helping at the nursing home like who knows what you know what makes someone else get out of bed in the morning and what inspires someone else so I think that's really really cool yeah yeah my kind of my, when I look at how I foresee this going in the future years and how it's kind of been, the wheels are turning with it, is that um, it's kind of a chain reaction. So yeah. I've done this this year and I've now nominated one of my friends in New Zealand who's going to do something similar next at the end of next month 
who's then going to nominate somebody in a different country who's going to do a similar idea. And so there you yeah, go. we're con- creating these connections internationally and, and, and what I would say beyond borders so that people are inspiring their own communities or, you know, kind of lighting a fire under other athletes or other people that want to share something they're passionate about. Um, yeah, so I agree completely about the internet and I mean, I agree that there's, it's still at the teenage stage and there's, there's some <laughs> negativity there, but yeah. I think that with what's gone on in the last year, like most people are just putting all their negativity into a certain box and then they're sharing these positivity around to people because that's what we need right now. Like we're fueled on human connection, which has been taken from us at this very moment. So we just have to share as much positivity as we can. And I think that should hopefully help it mature into a young adult. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, with the infancy stage and, and being teenagers. But yeah, I, I like to be optimistic about things like the internet and, and like you're saying, your cause is, is spreading and yeah, who knows where it can go. But perhaps there'll, be, there'll come a day where someone from every country in the world has completed a you know one person from every country has completed a kayaking trip or something like that and it's like it like we said it snowballs on and I think it's pretty cool to that you're a part of a community of people who are like pushing the boundaries with one another and and trying to to give each other that that positive feedback have you ever heard of the term glass ceilings like essentially like a roof over your head or someone else saying oh no you can't do that or that's that's too crazy or anything have you heard that term or 100% yeah yeah (laughs) yeah well I think it's cool that like with this idea of the you know the glass ceilings and stuff that perhaps do you find yourself hanging out with a lot of other kayakers that are that are interested in in pushing the boundaries and doing trips like you do as well think I am now yes Mm -hmm. and part of that's just because the nature of my profession as a kayak instructor and kind of puts me into those environments but I think there's still a lot of I would say barriers that I find that I'm having to push through to find those particular people that are kind of actually going and doing and not just saying Um, I love I love people that are driven and I love people that also follow through with those plans. So it's kind of finding that balance of a good crew that you enjoy and are keen to paddle with and push your limits. But then also like as you grow, finding that group that's going to keep pushing you and you, you know, keeping that positive balance rather than um, being pulled back or held back maybe. Yeah. Do you find yourself a little bit of the protagonist, like the one who's maybe inspiring others and and raising the bar for other people within your kayaking community? Um, I would definitely say in some aspects. Cool. I think that um, the kayaking community in British Columbia is the most political sport I've ever been a part of. (laughs) Really? I would never have guessed that. Oh, yeah. It's wild, but I think it's really easy for people to get caught up in the politics and stay really focused on it. And I think that 
people often forget about the beauty of the sport and why they got into it and that passion behind it and so they lose sight of the fact that it is a community sport it's a sport and recreation to get people together and so I would say yes I probably am a bit of a protagonist in that sense Um, and yeah like I said earlier um, I never find that I can stay at the goal that I've set for myself it's always setting a new one and I think a lot of the people that I spend time with see that and so they also take that step that next step as well because they're going okay well if Amber keeps pushing her limits like she is now and and she hasn't had to stop or there's no reason for her to stop then who's to say that I'm gonna have to stop or you know I'm not gonna be able to do what she's doing or yeah and so you said um sometimes people forget what got them into the sport in the first place with the politics and and this kind of thing I think that's that can sometimes happen with any sport as well you know you do it for long enough and you get a bit complacent and doesn't yeah skiing or kayaking or soccer or anything but what is it about kayaking that got that piqued your interest what is it uh sorry why is it that you first started kayaking are you just a bit of a water baby? You love being in the water and you say you, you surf and you stand up paddleboard. Is it just sort of second nature to you to be out in the water? Um, part of it was probably that I grew up as a competitive swimmer, so I've always enjoyed water. Um, but for sea kayaking, I actually got into it um, because I thought I'd hate it. Um, and so I'm the type of person that I'll say that I dislike something, but I won't truly mean it until I try it. And so I saw no better way than to apply to be a kayak guide in Australia as my way of figuring out if I liked it or not. What, a, so, what a cool way to challenge yourself. <laughs> yeah. Just jump my, straight in the deep end. A lot of my passions started from um, being able to see the sights and the scenery that a lot of people don't get to see because either their boat, they're in bigger boats and they can't access the same areas or their boats are too wide or they don't have any other way to access it and I found that the kayak was an awesome way to access these really really beautiful um, mountains or peaks or beautiful untouched pieces of reef mm-hmm. and so a lot of that um, passion came from the scenery around me and then beyond that it stemmed into the more higher adrenaline stuff pushing myself in tidal currents and figuring out that a sea kayak can do almost everything that a river boat can do. So, yeah, and that was stemmed for me. So you've paddled in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. Have you paddled in any other countries as well? Uh, I've paddled in Indonesia, not for very long. Um, I've done a bit of paddling. Where else did I go? in the states and i think that's it that's really cool were they were they trips like small trips as well or just paddling recreationally um they were more recreational paddling trips um yeah there's a few trips that i have planned over the or starting to plan for over the next 10 years that'll be go to a destination for paddling not just going to the destination and paddling while i'm there Oh, awesome. I really like that. 
that's something to be I'm trying to get better at as well I want to I've done a lot of backpacking um, off the off the traditional like beaten path but still still backpacking you know and as I as I like get more into certain sports like scuba diving or I've always surfed uh, I've always loved hiking I always do hiking if I'm overseas but I really like the idea of going to a place to experience something that like I'm passionate about so I totally understand what you mean when you say you're planning some kayaking trips it's I think that's a really cool um a cool way to give each trip a little bit of extra flavor a bit more meaning uh can I ask what countries are on or places I should say if they're not a country but um what places are on your next couple trips what are you thinking or are you, are you keeping this secret is this meant to be a, is this like no. 10 10 years of uh no because no, okay, okay. there's going to be somebody in five years that's going to send me a message and go have you done it yet um no i'll tell you one of them's japan nice very cool i would like two separate trips one of the north island and one of the south island yep um, I would like to do the Faroe Islands. Okay. If you know where No, I don't know. I've seen photos of the Faroe Is that part of the UK, like territory? Yeah, pretty much. Scandinavia area. Yeah, okay. Um, and Iceland. Oh, nice. What a list. Strong list there. Yeah. All, obviously, all islands with, um, I know paddling, you're in the ocean, but um, that's really cool really cool and all quite temperate all quite cold places japan's water's quite cold iceland faroe islands at least you're getting your training and now in bc you'll be battle hardened seasoned and ready to go yeah we'll work on that i'm still trying to get my winter skin (laughs) (laughs) did you get cold out on your paddle because i've done surf ski when i was a bit younger it's like it's really similar to a a sea kayak it's a little bit thinner though in the in the hull, I guess you could say. Um, and I always remember that you'd get little droplets of like water, even when you had the paddle guard on, you would still, as you swing the paddle, get like droplets running down your neck and down your back as you come over to get the next row. Did you get a little bit of that when you were paddling? So I was actually wearing a full on dry suit. Oh, solid. <laughs> With a fleece onesie underneath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Wool socks. <laughs> Real prepped. And, um, and a hood, like a like a furry snowboarding hood. Oh, nice. So yeah, you would have been you would have been getting up, almost toasty. getting getting on a sweat. Yeah, you would have been toasty. I was toasty until about probably five p.m. when the hail and snow started. Um, but yeah, the the thing for me is my hands. My hands get really cold. And I'm also allergic to salt water, so I can't wear neoprene gloves while I'm paddling because I get really horrific rashes. <laughs> You're allergic to salt water? Yeah. What, like you, you get itchy or...? Um, yeah, I get hives. Oh, wow. Respect for... <laughs> no, I just I find that so cool that you're just so in love with the sport, you just make it happen anyway. I love that. <laughs> just going at, going at it. What, so when you're out on the kayak, what um, equipment do you bring? Do, so you said you had 10 lights, a headlamp. Um, do you have like a little GPS tracker and, and that kind of thing as well? Like how kitted out are you? For the... um, 
So it depends on the location I go to because Salt Springs centralized and there's service everywhere. It's part of ferry traffic. I didn't take my inReach, but I was running, I had two GPSs running. I had my phone, VHF, um, a sheet of contact numbers for people on Salt Spring Island, um, as well as the local Coast Guard cell phone number in case I needed some assistance. Yeah, that's and a- then I have like a ditch kit. So if I ever have to, like, abort my boat and swim to shore, I have this kit um, on a line that goes over my shoulder and floats behind me as I would have to swim, and um, that has like enough stuff to help me survive for twenty four hours. So you have a life jacket as well, obviously, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you bring flippers for the swim? <laughs> I that's a, that's a great idea, but no. <laughs> yeah. Damn, yeah, just out there. I love, I honestly love the image of this. This is, I, I like that you're, you're out there and you're making it happen and you're putting it, you're putting in the work and the planning. So with Salt, with um, Salt Spring, you said obviously people live there and it's connected to, it's within the dome of, you can you can have phone access and stuff there. Yeah. If you do a future trip where you don't have access to phone and that kind of thing do you think you'll have to turn to getting gps or have you thought about that have you gone into that level of depth with planning yet um well a lot of the places that i go to in the summer months and where i take people that come on trips with me um we're fully off grid for anywhere from about six to eight days oh wow Um, so we have two i have two gps systems that i own so the garmin inreaches which are satellite phones um, are kind of our go-to emergency contact beyond a, a VHF radio. So you're doing six-day trips with clients where you're off-grid. Mm-hmm. Is this is this in BC or is this Indonesia and stuff as well, or everywhere? Uh, this is mainly in BC, but I do like in New Zealand. I was taking people out into Babel Tasman National Park, and then in Australia, we're going over to Whitsunday and Hook Island. Yeah. Oh, awesome! I've been to Hook Island. I've also been to Abel Tasman. So I, that's I have an image which is really nice. Yeah. So, um, the trips you're doing in BC uh, with clients that are multi-day, can you walk me through how that goes? Well, um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> or so, just like what is like? Because I'm trying to picture it for myself. That sounds really, really interesting. So, uh, the company that I own or partially own um we do mainly instructional expeditions so our clientele is focused on um canadian clients and more recently mostly bc and it's people that want to learn the skills and um, kind of want to learn how to advance their kayaking abilities their camping abilities in places that they might not have the skills to go by themselves yeah so we take people up um like the northwest coast so uh, New Shetlets or Nutka Sound, uh, Brooks Peninsula, Cayuca, Bunsby's, places like that, which are fully off grid that we get dropped off on a beach somewhere with a water taxi. And we're teaching strokes and tarping and how to set up tents and how to cook camp meals and rehydrate food and search for water sources um, while still working on paddling skills on the water. So we'll move camps two or three times throughout the trip. 
Um, and as we move camps, as the instructors, we kind of step back and let our participants take over and figure out how to get us from our first campsite to our second one and figure out, is it safe for us to go into that sea cave um, or where we can find our next water source? That's so cool. Do you, do you find that the clients are having a pretty a pretty cool reaction to to all all the learning and experience that's going on? Like, do you see a physical change in their not only their skill set but their their behavior and their headspace by the time they're finished? Definitely, people are shattered by the time they finish a trip. <laughs> um, a lot of it's in the confidence. So a mm-hmm. lot of our clients come back every year and just do a different trip with us. And part of it is they'll spend a winter without paddling or camping or going on these expeditions. And then they'll come back into their paddling season and not feel 100% set on their skills or or they just want to go to a location that might be slightly out of their comfort zones. And so coming to these locations, getting shown around by an instructor as well as advancing those skills just kind of fills them with the confidence so that they could go, you know what, I could actually go back to that same location without our instructors and feel 100% safe. Gotcha, yep. So do you plan these routes yourself? You plan, okay, day one here, day two, day here, day three here, and you sort of set up these, like, um, tours yourself? Like, do you do all the planning for that as well? Um, myself and our other business partner does it. So Very cool. I've been part of probably three recce trips um, with clients <laughs> yeah. where we go, we've never been to the location before and we just base our campsites off of um, things that we've read or on our charts and then we're just out there exploring and seeing what campsites are better for our group, certain group sizes or if we get certain weather conditions, which ones will be better to be at. Yeah. That's so cool. That's it. It's, yeah, I think that's such a immersive experience for people. Do you, do you find that you get a lot of people who are kind of trying to get a, a have a craving for the outdoors and they're trying to find an outlet to let, like let it all out? Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of the people that we have, um, come from in the past being mountaineers or doing some sort sort of other outdoor experience and then they got caught up in life and they kind of lost that and so I find a lot of the time when they're out on trips with us and I will admit our instructors around my age like most of us are 20 to 25 with the exception of some of our instructors so we are quite young and childish and I think it kind of rekindles that love of the outdoors and kind of what they missed over the past few years mm-hmm. also I think it just pushes them to um, kind of see what their life experiencing experience in the time that they weren't doing these things can now play into how they camp or um, how they make their decisions on where to go or when to go or not to go yeah yeah I think it's once you open the door like the mental door within your mind to to new possibilities and and actually have a little bit of creativity because the average person might not think okay I've got the long weekend I've got three days off what am I going to do they might say oh today I'll go walk around the park or I'll go on a day hike or this but 
I think it's really cool to open up those doors to new possibilities where you give someone the opportunity to say, oh, I, I can go on like a two-night overnight camping, kayaking trip. And like we said right at the start of the, the podcast, when you're doing a big sort of adventure or a big mission almost, like what you did with your 14-hour paddle, the day feels so much longer and you feel like so much more has happened. So in a three-day long weekend, you could get so much more out of you know, doing a kayaking and camping trip then you could just, I don't know, sitting on the sitting on the couch watching a Netflix series or something like that. So I think it's really cool to help people rekindle not only like their love for nature and the outdoors, but also their sense of adventure within themselves. But like you said that maybe they've they've lost touch a little a little bit with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I also think a big part of it's community. Um, we get a lot of people that sign up for our trips as solo people so they'll come on this trip with us and five other participants and they might find people in their local area or people that they get along really well with and they're going to be really helpful to kind of developing and keeping up and holding them accountable for getting out and actually using the skills or getting out and going camping and exploring these new places with yeah totally yeah do you find as a guide um people tend to ask the same sort of questions and you get a bit you have to keep it interesting for yourself because you've you're back to square one if you've got a new person a new person a new person and do you find it do you love the sport enough that you don't even have to think about being passionate or do you sometimes find that you have to like match their level of enthusiasm and you know bring bring your a game and be like okay i'm gonna i'm really gonna go all out and like give these guys my best so that they can leave this leaving Oh, sorry, feeling like they've there's there's no stone unturned kind of thing? Um, I used to be very much a, what I would call a tryhard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've kind of, after two years of kayaking and t- taking people out 360 days a year, I kind of realized that that's not sustainable. Um, mm-hmm. For you personally and whether you, f- like, acting like the person that you'd like to be isn't beneficial for your clients either i learned really quickly that it's better just to be real totally and and i personally for myself i think um that's kind of where my passion for the port sport takes over um because some days i'll be on the water and i'm you i'm just internally so frustrated or um thinking about something else that i could be doing or six months into the season with a month to go going is it over yet but I think once I actually get out with the clients and get on the water and get into that environment those thoughts of kind of being the best ever disappear and also just the natural personality and um, yeah kind of who I am out in the bush kind of kicks in Um, so I would say like yeah at the beginning of a trip I definitely get that way of oh I'm not another one or not a brand new paddler again but the second I get on the water and I start teaching it's that every bit of that disappears cool yeah you're just in your element and you know what to do and you're in your wheelhouse and it just feels supernatural I guess is yeah so I think making jokes like people love when you're real and you know what every now and then people don't mind a good joke like sometimes I tell stories from like a previous trip about something hilarious somebody else did um, and 
it's humorous and we all realize that we say dumb stuff or do dumb stuff and so um, I think just bringing a bit of light to it helps you as an instructor or a guide as well for sure and I think with being out in the elements or in nature is is more what I should have said but I said this in the last podcast with Terence when we were talking about camp my way and taking people up into the mountains and in any nature scenario I love that there's always the fact that guide or no guide rich or not rich like all the gear or no gear if it rains everyone's getting rained on if it's cold if it's cold everyone's getting cold and I, I think that that what you're saying about making jokes and sort of breaking down the barriers and building rapport and actually being real part of that process in in my opinion is also the fact that nature is providing uh, a scenario and a situation where there is a bit of a level level playing field sure some people can paddle better than others or some people are more athletic or some people have a better skill set but I really think that there, everyone's going to walk away and have been a little bit humbled in some way do you know what I mean yeah yeah I'm as an instructor I'm constantly humbled so if I'm humbled teaching people at that level I'm sure that it's a, a very similar experience for everyone yeah all of the big aha moments happen or the the moments that you're going to remember the most happen yeah yeah do you see any other shorter or like future trips around Mill Bay and the Salt Spring area, or you think that that's something that you're happy to, to turn a page now? Um, I do about six trips a year in the Gulf Islands area. Yeah. Um, so just usually launching from Sydney, and I go to Salt Spring quite frequently. Uh, it's harder as our season our season kicked off today, so pretty much going to be working nonstop till October. Um, so solo trips, not as many as I would like, but yeah, I'll definitely be exploring that area a bit more just with clients this time. Awesome. And can I ask, when you said that you'd been thinking about doing the Salt Spring for four years, more or less, what is it about Salt Spring that you wanted to do? Is it the mere fact that it was close to the, the 100 kilometers distance and that was the, the hurdle that you wanted to jump or is it just... Is there always been something that was your mountain, so to speak, that you always wanted to 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 overcome it? Like, what is it that attracted you to Salt Spring in particular? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> I think it's the hippies. <laughs> cool. I I went to Salt Spring uh, my first season on the island, and I just really loved it and kind of the vibe that was on there and. I love that they still had hitchhiking huts and so I've always held Salt Spring in a really high regard and then when I came out here to work I realized how close it was um, to the places that I was working and living and the fact that it's close to so many of our environments but none of us have probably decided that that's something they want to paddle around or boat around or whatever it is bike around and so I thought it would be a really cool way to explore the community um, and the actual waters that I'm immersed in rather than driving four hours to go to this other island that I've been dreaming about. So that's part of it. I didn't know how many kilometers it was. I had no idea. <laughs> Even when I agreed 
even when I decided to do the paddle, and I didn't really know how many kilometers it was either. You were just like, no, I'm doing salt spring. That's what's happening. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I've thought about it for long enough. Everything's aligning, and I'm just going to do it. Nice. I know what you're saying about trying to explore your own area a bit more and when it's in your own backyard. There's a a guy I watch like um or like follow on Instagram and YouTube. He's like an older guy. His name's Bo Miles, he's Australian, but he does all these like weird little challenges that kind of exactly what we're talking about, try and push people outside of their comfort zone, but also try and get people to be a bit more creative with the way they think about how they want to do little challenges and for example he does uh, he runs a marathon in a day because he runs two kilometers every hour or something like he gets up and runs 2k's every hour for a whole like 24 hours like every day so actually over a marathon but it's so someone who's like I could never run a marathon he's like well just do it like this one run just run 2k every hour so he gets up every hour through the night runs 2k's or he just did a video this is all like you know in his in his hometown or he did a little video where he walked the entire way to work and his work is, you know, like an hour and 10 drive every each way. So it's like 90 kilometers or something, but he walked the whole 90 kilometers to work. So he started, I don't know, like pretty much the day before, but it's just such a weird thing to think that in your backyard, even if there is no access to a mountain or a lake or a river or the ocean, if you're just a bit creative, you can create that space for a challenge, which I really... I really like the idea of. And that challenge actually spread quite far because I have a handful of friends that did that challenge last year. Oh, there you go. The walk to work challenge. No, the uh, two kilometers every hour challenge. Oh, they sweet. See, that's what I mean. You never know where it's where it's going to end up. Do you think um, you're going to stay on theme for... So you've done your the Salt Spring Paddle, you're helping fund multiple sclerosis or first responders at Camp My Way, which was on the last podcast. For these next 10 paddles you've got planned, do you see yourself doing them all for a cause as well? And that's going to like be a theme, a central theme of, of that, like you're saying, community and giving back? Yeah, I would say so. I think, yeah. um, I think either way you look at it, it's still end up can end up being a cause but I think bringing light to things that we don't always talk about or um, don't always consider on our day-to-day lives uh, and drawing attention to them or putting a spotlight on them for a certain challenge that I'm doing I, I can definitely f- see myself doing that part of it's because I really I'm not good at having the spotlight on myself yeah okay. um, like it, I, I don't enjoy people coming out and cheering me on for the last few kilometers or anything like that because it's not who I am I'd rather do these things in the quiet and then bring light to what I'm kind of what the focus is for me yeah Um, and so that's kind of the way I see it moving forward is rather than being like oh Amber did this or I would rather it be oh somebody did this for this reason yeah Uh, maybe you like to show the finished product and not not the work in progress kind of thing yeah. 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 Okay. Well, we're just about to round up to the the one hour mark, so we're pretty much the the app I use is going to run out of time. Is there anything you wanna you wanna leave on any anywhere people can find and donate? Is your GoFundMe still open for donations? My GoFundMe will be open for donations until the end of the month. Okay. Uh, yep. 
and then it closes down and goes dormant for a few months until I post my 2022 paddle for a cause nice so if you send me a link to the gofundme i'll put it in the um description for the podcast so if again just to reiterate for anyone listening the gofundme will help go towards sponsoring a first responder to go through camp my way is that correct yeah perfect pretty much learning tools to deal with ptsd or um, different events that they've encountered through work Awesome. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's such a good cause and it's, like you said, it's only going to grow. So Um, I don't know when I'll next be on the island, but if I, if I ever make it over there, I'll try and hit you up. You can take me to a secret, secret bay or something. Yeah, definitely. I'd be keen for that. Nice. So my voice has gone croaky right at the end there. Same. (laughs) That's what happens when you talk for an hour. Yeah. 